Welcome to the Supply Chain Visibility Stories, the podcast for supply chain managers. Brought to you by Axis, the 100% supply chain visibility cloud solution provider. Supply Chain Visibility Stories is hosted by Bill Wall, a technology industry veteran and enterprise software professional. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Today marks the next in a series of discussions exploring the intersection of technology and business. Our discussions are designed to be brief and focused, and we're hoping this podcast format inspires our audience to think about how technology impacts their own organizations and to engage with us as the series continues. I'll have information about how to engage with the series and our guest at the end of today's discussion. My name is Bill Wall, and I'm honored to be the host of this series brought to you by Axis. I'm always fascinated by the business challenges faced by companies and how those challenges can be addressed by technology. When we started this series, we started talking about some of the macro trends that are facing uh, the business market today. And uh, while the word macro may undersell them, uh, the impact of the pandemic and how that's really been driving a renewed focus on global supply chains has kept this topic consistently in the news. And so we've been digging a bit deeper on this series. Today, we welcome again to the program, uh, Axis's Gil Rodriguez, Vice President of National Accounts. Gil, welcome back to the program. Pleasure to be here, Bill. Thanks for having me. So let's set the stage uh, for, for podcast number nine. We've been talking about filling the gaps in transparency in the supply chain, and in particular, how companies can think about that effort sort of from concept to execution. But let's dig a little bit further into what's going on and how supply chains have really become globally intertwined. What are you hearing from customers, Gil? What's keeping them up at night? Well, thanks for, for, for framing the question that way, because I have just gotten off of a, a series of calls recently uh, with both customers uh, and prospects. And Bill, we asked that, that very direct question, uh, what keeps you up at night? What are the pain points? Uh, if you had a blank check and all the resources in the world, uh, what would you work on? And there seems to be a common thread that you can weave through the fabric of all that. Uh, they are talking about a lack of containers. They are talking about a lack of available shipping. Uh, a big topic item is, is terminal space uh, at these various ports, LA, Long Beach, New York, New Jersey, uh, and a lack of drivers. There are 64,000 open uh, job slots out there for drivers. So the the, the big push uh, that everyone seems to talk about, and you could boil the ocean down to two words, is visibility and flexibility. Mm-hmm. That is the big push. That is what they are driving towards. It's kind of interesting because this is a topic that is not hidden in the background in industry. It's not something that's being talked about by uh, supply chain managers and executives. This is a global news focus, uh, and that has brought the topic of global supply chains really out into the public forefront. In all of your years of doing this, have you ever seen it like this? No, absolutely not. Uh, and there is an upside to that and a downside to that. So the upside is that there's buzz and everybody's talking about it. The downside is is that there's a lot of buzz and everybody's talking about it. And there's almost a built-in inertia. It's where do I start? How do I get the ball rolling in order to be able to address these issues of visibility? Uh, The one view, if you will, uh, are things that I keep hearing about. And the flexibility, ultimately, to be be able to adjust, to be able to onboard and offload 
uh, partners as your uh, supply chain continues to expand, continues to change, your customer base changes, heck, even your packaging changes. So that that is pushing these customers to to be to 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 remain highly flexible and highly adaptive to these changes. So let's step back from what's in the news um, and sort of dig into this a little bit. Um, you've talked previously about this concept of supply chains and linearity, and what I thought was an interesting expression of the, the, the world is operating today, industry is operating today under the concept of made everywhere, ship everywhere. What do you mean by that? I'm, I'm smiling as you frame the question. I, I think back to a comment I heard um, from a supply chain VP, and that was that was not a title that was thrown around loosely. 10 years ago, that's become much, much more in vogue recently. But the comment was, and I, and I wrote it down, uh, as a global chemical company, we went from made in the USA and ship it everywhere to now we make semi-finished products everywhere. We assemble them someplace and then we ship them everywhere. So yeah. that takes the concept of a linear relationship and just throws it out the window. And so that means that what we're seeing in the news, what we're all experiencing about breakdowns in the ability of products to be shipped from place to place, that puts an extraordinarily much more, maybe exponentially is a better word, exponential impact on an industry like chemicals. Because if goods are not moving, then that entire nonlinear supply chain starts to collapse. 100% correct. And if you think about that industry specifically, perhaps the only one that would compare to it from a complexity standpoint would be life sciences, but it's highly globalized. It is highly diversified. So there are a number of chemical companies out there that went from being true traditional chemical companies Mm -hmm. to investing heavily in what's called ENI, electronics and imaging. Uh, These goods are regulated. In some cases, they are shipping... um, uh, dangerous goods. There's a heavy reliance on ocean-bound shipping, rail car, tank cars, heavily regulated, lots of supply chain touch points, and added recently, and rightfully so, is the pressure to uh, address the issue of sustainability. Mm-hmm. So companies that used to ship in what they called a one-way vessel, and I don't mean an ocean-carrying vessel or a rail car or a tank car, but packaging, one-way packaging. These could be one-ton packages, two-ton packages. The onus used to be on the recipient bill or the customer to be able to recycle or discard that. And there is pressure now coming from various pockets of the world that that is an opportunity for sustainability. That is an opportunity uh, to address environmental issues, and I and I can't emphasize enough, rightfully so. So these companies are are under pressure now to go from a concept of a one way shipment to introducing the concept of returnables. Mm-hmm. So that that is a huge change to their supply chain uh, ecosystem. And now, in in that now, they, it's not just a function of of managing the outbound, but where is it on its journey uh, on the way back? And what kind of shape does the uh, container come in, you know, on the way back? Does it need to be um, reserviced? Does it need to be maintained? Does it need to be segregated for another product, et cetera? So again, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, to see if I get that right, though. So now, because you have that bi-directional issue, 
you're not just as a supply chain leader worried about materials arriving that are in process, but the return carriers become critical because if they're not available, the return trip of of finished or semi-finished goods can occur. If the carriers don't exist, um, then that's also uh, a, a potential block to the free flow uh, in the supply chain. So transparency becomes really important in both directions. That's exactly right. So imagine, if you will, a U-turn on a highway. So if you have bottlenecks in one direction and you need to return that that package, that uh, uh, container, the shipping packaging needs to be returned in the other direction, those same bottlenecks exist on the return journey or the same potential bottlenecks exist. So I know that you can't always talk about companies by name, but uh, can you talk about a, a particular example uh, about a, comp- a chemical uh, company that's dealing with this issue and, and some of the challenges that they're experienced? Absolutely. So in one example, and again, thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to not uh, name names. I, I could name a dozen, but I'll pick one out in particular where they manufacture a product in the United States. And I can't even give you the generic name of the product, but they manufacture a product in the United States. That product is uh, shipped to another location uh, in the United States where it is processed. It undergoes some type of a cutting and it undergoes uh, a repackaging effort. The item is then sent to Europe where it is treated. And I'll I'll leave the verb at, at treated. It's then sent back across the Asia Pacific where it is uh, assembled. So you think of that journey, that is an around the world journey, you know, for one product, one SKU, if you will. And that needs to be tracked because at the end of the day, Bill, that the consumer, the customer doesn't care about the journey that the product went through. All they see is the logo of the company that manufactured it and frankly sent them the invoice. Mm -hmm. They want to make sure that it's the right product it's at the right place, it's at the right time, and it's at the right price. So we learned the concept in the consumer packaged good space 15 years ago about just-in-time inventory at the retail level. But what we're really talking about here is, in, in your example, a number of manufacturing companies along the way whose very production schedules, their operations depend on these materials showing up right at the right time or there becomes a domino effect. So this issue of transparency um, and flexibility in the supply chain comes right to the forefront. At 100%. So there, the, the majority of chemical companies out there operate under what's called a, a co-man or a toller model. So it's not just one or two entities that need to know where the thing, the widget, let's call it, back to our college days, where the widget is in the supply chain. There's a number of actors that need to know where that is in the supply chain everyone from distribution and in some cases to the consumer. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes sense. So we've talked on this series about the fact that some companies are at the forefront of of leveraging technology, we'll call them progressive, but many companies are really just getting started. They may have put in a business process around supply chain management, but finding that true transparency and the ability to bring shipping partners in and out of their supply chain, uh, they're just getting started. What, what keeps companies from making advances uh, into this area and being further along this journey? The biggest challenge I've seen so far, and, and, and we've been at this a while and we've been helping customers 
to at least put a framework in place is to define the network, know who your suppliers are, uh, get an understanding of what you're able to track within the four walls, your plants, your tollers, your warehouses, your distribution centers. And literally sometimes, Bill, it's a whiteboarding exercise. Go to the whiteboard and map out the, the, uh, the network and then define the processes within those networks. And then identify one asset that you want to track and to what degree of data fidelity and granularity you want to track that. Customers are doing proof of concepts all the time or they're doing phase ones. So it's as broad as identify your network, identify your process, and pick a skew. So given the complexity of these global supply chains you've described, um, in the old days, having visibility into multiple systems from multiple suppliers was enough. But today, you want your system to be able to seamlessly on a what we would once call a single pane of glass, really look at how the supply chain systems from all of those players on your whiteboard example, how do they all seamlessly come together and and integrate from a technology perspective, correct? Agreed. What's old is new. So the concept of the one window pane has been around for a while and it is absolutely, it, it's back and forth now. And it, it started long before COVID uh, but COVID has absolutely accelerated that requirement to be able to have that one view to not jump from portal to portal to portal to manually track where something is. Typically, Gil, we uh, as we close up our program, we always sort of talk about providing customers the best, best advice to get started. And it sounds like mapping out one aspect of your supply chain in that exercise you described on the on the whiteboard might be the right first step. Yes. Gil Rodriguez of Axis, always great to have you on the program. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Hope to be able to talk to you again. So that wraps up today's podcast. My thanks to Gil and the folks at Axis for making this podcast series possible. We welcome your comments and questions about the discussions on these podcasts. You can engage with us at the official Axis Twitter and LinkedIn accounts. So please be a part of that discussion. I'm your host, Bill Wall. And for everyone at Axis, thanks for joining. We look forward to our next podcast. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to Supply Chain Visibility Stories, brought to you by Axis, the 100% supply chain visibility cloud solution provider. Visit us on the web at axisinc.com. That's A-C-S-I-S-I-N-C.com. Or join the dialogue on social media. Look for Axis Inc. on LinkedIn and Twitter. Join us next time for Supply Chain Visibility Stories, brought to you by Axis.